football on off the ball with Sky all the football you love in one place across Sky Sports BT Sport and Premier Sports now welcome along football show Dan McDonald of the Irish Independent in studio exciting times Daniel uh, Joe it's good Hello. to see you you're fresh so fresh Dan so fresh looking forward to seeing you <laughs> marching the streets of my uh, locality I know yeah uh, there has been um, well for some time now I would drive by from somewhere carefree maybe the driving range who knows yeah. maybe just yeah. doing whatever and uh, Dan McDonnell uh, scowling pushing a buggy headphones <laughs> on and I looked at him and thought oh man yeah, that like, does look relentless and grim yeah so uh, now I'll nod to you from across the footpath now that's it oh, well maybe I could be driving now just <laughs> rolling down the window and sort of you know, shouting out some platitudes, but no, it's it's good to see you. Good to see like um, you got a bit of coverage for your some some good journalism, stop. some good journalism stop on you at the weekend. Stop, stop, stop. Malloy doesn't like to talk about. He likes to keep his life away from the mic <laughs> private. <laughs> Can we move on? Uh, there is lots going <laughs> on. Stuff. Uh, Manchester City versus Premier League is the story that mm. we didn't really see coming. We had Nick Harris on earlier on. So Nick and others who've been very on top of this story, they probably had an inkling that the Premier League since 2018 has been conducting this massively high profile investigation into Manchester City and their financial dealings. I think the majority of us over the last four years did not know that the Premier League were compiling this massive investigation and were about to ambush them with the... Um, uh, proceedings and it's suddenly blown up in a massive way. Now there is the uh, cynical cohort who think this will make lawyers lots of money and amount to not very much, maybe a fine. And then there is a school of thought increasingly as you read different pieces and listen to different people that this could have a lot more teeth in it. Yeah, it, it is I mean, it's difficult to, to, to come down on one side with confidence. Yeah. Um, it does appear just from reading the various reports of people in the Manchester beat that Man City seem to be briefing very confidently about, you know, what's going to happen or not going to happen and from, from their instance. Um, they believe they'll be fine. Um, Manchester I think, City, welcome. Welcome yeah, this it, 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 this is this is what we've been waiting for. This is this is finally like people have been whispering about you know behind their back for years. Then we can put it to bed once and for all. Well their statement says we have irrefutable evidence in support of our position. As such we look forward to this matter being put to rest once and for all. Mm, this matter, like you know, what, what is this matter? Like Manchester City's rise to prominence. Like you know, you, you look back, and I mean, I think it was maybe ten, eleven years ago. There was a story where I think um, various people at, at Liverpool, Arsenal, um, and another club at the time, you know, were coming together to raise questions about the Etihad deal. And um, that they had with Man City, and and that that question has always lingered, right, in the background. And there's been more substantive reporting. Um, there's no suggestion of anything wrong with the Etihad deal, but in some of the more recent deals, um, you know, with sort of lesser known companies, say, um, there's been these question marks. And and when Newcastle came in, of course, there was all this talk about related party sponsorships and what was the Premier League stance towards it. Um, but but people probably, in in some way sort of thought ah this is this is the game isn't it yeah. you know this is the game and everyone's you know man everyone's getting rich along with the the man city express to some degree you know like as in man city's wealth has, has elevated the premier league in some ways and, and people sort of see you know at times the, the european super league man city are very much in concert with the other big clubs and you sort of assume 
Yeah, this will this will be okay. So, but I don't know. I mean, you're reading. I mean, there's sort of an absurd element to it. You know, reading stories coming in tonight. You know, Man City swooping for some top lawyer, like a like a transfer deadline story being written that way. Like you can't get away from that sort of language of of you know the the Premier League oh. drama language. You know, Lord Panic, I think his name is, and who's who's. There's going to be paid wages comparable with, um, or could conceivably be paid wages on daily rates comparable with Premier League superstars. Well, up to eighty thousand pounds sterling per day for this lawyer, mm. if you're interested, Dan. That's a it's a good gig, yeah. So I think everybody's generally okay with this, but I am conscious it was a bank holiday Monday, and people are busy. Premier League statement arrived on their website yesterday, to, with no fanfare. Stories above it included. Harry Kane breaks record, Sean Dyche wins and tips for your fantasy team this week. You know it wasn't a bank holiday in, in, in the UK as well. You know, yeah. they wouldn't stuck it out there otherwise. So, uh, for your investigation, 100 plus breaches, financial breaches on Manchester City's part between 2009, Sheikh Mansour took over the club, Abu Dhabi took over the club in 08. So from 09 to 2018, 100 different alleged breaches, uh, false accounts, so not providing accurate information, uh, not disclosing full salaries to both managers and players, uh, breaching rules on profit and sustainability. Uh, In effect, they're saying there was financial chicanery here of various kinds. And what's more, you systematically lied to us. You gave us false accounts, false information every step of the way. And here we go. And... The point has been made that while well, UEFA slapped a two-year ban on Manchester City back in 2020, uh, there was a statute of limitations issue there. Now, there were a few charges that the CAS panel felt hadn't been established properly as well, so it wasn't all down to statute of limitations. Mm. But in effect, when the UEFA two-year ban went to CAS, CAS said, well, there's a five-year period here and these fall outside that five-year period. So Manchester City are away pretty much scot-free, £10 million fine for not cooperating, but pretty much scot-free on a, on a technicality. Crucially, in the Premier League, there is no statute of limitations whatsoever. So that 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 defence is gone. Now, yeah. we get, now we get to see what the other defence would be. And, and again, this has been bubbling away for uh, so many years. Like Der Spiegel in 2018, it seems, according to an athletic piece I read, their, their report on Roberto Mancini's financial... Uh, arrangement is what prompted the Premier League to really look into this and get going on this. So Mancini, I think people are, again have heard this at this stage. This is known since 2018 or reported since 2018. He got his base salary from Man City, 1.25 million a year. And then he got another 1.75 million in exchange for doing four training sessions, four days training over in Abu Dhabi. Sheikh Mansour, chairman of Al Jazeera, and he was given 1.75 million per year for those four days. In effect, that's off Man City's books and therefore in terms of financial fair play and our profitability and our overheads we look a lot healthier than we actually are and and so the point has been made well is it just Roberto Mancini is he the only uh, Manchester City manager or player where there was such an arrangement so 100 plus charges and and, uh, the other point which has been made is that the Premier League here have taken all their chips to use a poker analogy and push them right into the middle of the table I mean if they have this wrong all hell will break loose that £80,000 a day lawyer will be <laughs> coming after them if, they, uh, if they've if they somehow got this yeah. all wrong but the Premier League clearly have said we are pretty confident here and in we go 
So uh, it's extraordinary. 100 plus charges. Yeah, and and look, it does appear and you step back and I, I suppose you think closer to home, like you had the FEI fallout and there was obviously, and um, there was salacious information and there was you know, stuff that was, oh God, that, that's that's a joke, you know, and, and, and things that people would remember, you know, certain, certain sort of misdemeanours or allegations or details. But when it came down to it, like having to restate accounts and having issues with accounts, would appear to be by far the most serious thing you're dealing with here. There's obviously a lot of other stuff. There's non-cooperation yeah. and 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 various other um, details, which I presume will be teased out in more detail in due course. But this is my point. On one hand, you just think when Man City are brief, you know, confidently briefing, this will be fine. Yeah, this will be absolutely fine. But on the other hand, like there is this thing of well, if it is proven in some way that that wrong, account, you know, there's there was. You know, falsified accounts, or however you want to phrase it, um, not not correct accounts um, presented. Yeah, I mean, how how do you sort of square that easily and go? Well, yeah, we'll take a few points off your or take this fine. Like you know, particularly as you mentioned, like the Premier League is sort of governed governed. I mean, how the Premier League started. I mean, is a breakaway, but it's governed by its own handbook or whatever. And it is obviously, it seems like if it goes appeal and appeal. Now you you go you go into a form of the legal system. You just don't go not going to cast with this one. No, um, but I mean that does. I don't know. To me, to me, I just think, okay, if if that first charge or those top line charges are, are proven in some ways, then then maybe it is possible that this isn't the classic sporting whitewash where we've been there and you see in all sorts of codes, you know, dramatic punishment floated or or even yeah. in some cases applied, and eventually withdrawn and it goes away now the fact that this 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 it appears conservatively like this could take at least a year or certainly if it was done in, in months rather than a year that would be quick um what do you do in the meantime as well like you know do you do you just say business as usual you, you possibly have to yeah. you know until until you've been until you're deemed to have been found guilty guardiola will do a press conference on friday ahead of their weekend game in May 2022, last year, he was asked about the uh, considerable smoke around Manchester City when it comes to this issue and the UEFA ban in 2020. Uh, what he said in May of last year was, the club, they, the hierarchy, they explain, I believe them. I said to them, if you lie to me, then the day after, I'm not here. I'll be out and I will not be your friend anymore. I put my faith in you because I believe you 100% from day one and I defend the club because of that. So what he says on Friday, I don't know. I presume it may be similar-ish to that. But Guardiola on the record saying, if it turns out that you were lying to me, then I'm out of here. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a nice broad statement of his. I mean, I think the, the thing is, like, it's not... I mean, clearly, like, he's been attracted there by uh, the challenge, but also by, you know, clearly huge, huge money. And... Um, to some degree it's different like you'd have, you'd have, again I think a situation is closer to home where there's been issues with clubs being punished and you know managers are very aware of details at a club you know what's going on and what, what the crack might be um, to get stuff done but you would assume um, 
I mean, I, I mean, the fact is, this was the Mancini one that was so specific to a manager's contract. You know, like there's still a negotiation with an individual. Okay, you're you we're going to pay you X amount. You have to have some awareness of of how this is sort of totaled up, or you know, your your representatives anyway would have some awareness around. Well, this. I'm, I'm sure Mancini yeah. asked, "Why am I going to Abu Dhabi for four days?" Yeah, exactly. You know, and and okay, maybe doesn't need to be looking at his the details of his of his payslip, right? But I mean, as I said, there was an issue here years back where uh, I, think it was, I think it was Derry City were demoted for, for the double payment of, of contracts. You know, obviously players would be aware of yeah. where their money's coming from. You, you you take it forward, fast forward to this joint organisation as Man City are now. Like, I, I, I can't imagine, you know, again, like Pep is asking too many questions. Like, you know, he gets Haaland delivered, he gets this delivered. I presume he's told, we, we've got everything covered here. Everything is fine in terms of... Um, you know, financial fair play or whatever, whatever restrictions need to be met. I mean, you see City in some ways outwardly in the last while selling players and you know letting players go and seeming to be you know in Pep's time there is loosely applying to sort of you know complying sorry with you know regulations in some way. Um, so a lot of this seems to be historic in some ways, but um, you you don't you don't know like um, you you don't know where where it really ends. You know. Um, like as you say correctly, like when the Premier League have made such a grand statement of putting out that statement and and feeling confident enough to do that, when the Premier League, as I said, like the clubs are the Premier League mm. effectively in terms of where it started, um, yeah, like it's hard to just roll back from it and just release a, a short statement in eighteen months' time, going we are now satisfied and yes. and you move along with it. I don't think that'd be the end of it from Man City's point of view if that was the case. Let's say for a moment these alleged charges are proven and there is just a verdict of guilt hanging over Manchester City for a moment. That opens up a whole can of worms. For instance, uh, can clubs who finish second or maybe even who finish fifth and missed out on Champions League football and money in those Man City glory years, do they have recourse, financial recourse? Will they sue Mm. Man City? Will the Premier League make an award to them? I saw the Athletic talk to two different lawyers and it was contrasting opinions, which may well become a theme right across the next however many months. But one said, no, legally you can't go after them for the Champions League money you missed out on. Another said, oh no, you can. There's definite recourse there if they're proven to have cheated. So there's that whole area. I suppose maybe more interestingly, there is the, what is the punishment that is handed out to Man City? Yeah, I mean, like that, I mean, I suppose the whole point about, yeah, it is true. Like you, you would assume that people are looking at their options if they came fifth. Again, how far does that go? Like you know, if you've, if you've, uh, Man City have bought players off clubs for a lot of money. You know, for their, for from their ill-gotten gains. Some people would say, you know, and and where do where do you how far do you do you go along that road, um, in terms of what you can reclaim? I I mean, who knows? But uh, you would think that to be impactful, the punishment has to impact on the future. Nick you Harris know? guessed. Points deduction, significant points deduction. Like a, a sort of a Derby County job or... 30, 40 points territory. Yeah. Effectively yeah. ruling them out of winning a Premier League season and probably making Champions League football. Almost you're pitched into a, a healthy relegation scrap. Well, it does seem like, I mean, the, the the panel, the independent panel that they have here, there's like they have a sort of a... There's a, there's a freedom for them to apply a punishment on it, which then will seemingly be appealed. But what if someone just went for you know, 60 points? 
or seven. Like, try they can't relegate them by the rules, really. Um, just again because the nature of what the Premier League is, because there's nowhere to technically relegate them to because the EFL is a separate entity. Um, so what do you do? Do you try and like just hit them with a comical, a comically large deduction? Okay. Yeah, you know, like that. That's, I mean, that that is the the, the extreme end of it. Like uh, to me, the the going back in time and and stripping of title I think that gets too complicated for some of the reasons we touched upon I just can't see that being a, a road someone goes down Nick Harris said that as well half said really yeah yeah I said he'd spoken to a lot of people and apparently it's not as straightforward as well X you've done X punishment is why we just take the titles off you congratulations Brendan Rodgers you're a Premier League winner apparently there's all sorts of legalities there I don't know why with Lance Armstrong it was done fairly yeah, I suppose it's, it's different. I mean, I suppose because you're part of a ladder and then there's a trickle-down effect. I mean, say Lance Armstrong, okay, but it th- wasn't a case that someone who'd finished third or fourth or fifth, there was a dramatic, like they get bumped up to fourth, third or second, yeah. that there's a dramatic implication there for them. Like I seem to recall, I don't know if this was mentioned, I didn't hear Nick, but there, I mean, back in time, there was the, the Sheffield United-West Ham case, which goes back to, I think, the, the West Ham signing of Tevez and Mascherano. Yeah. Um, and Sheffield United were relegated. Um, but there was issues around West Ham's registration of players. And it was a, quite a protracted um, case. Um, but I think whatever punishments or whatever verdict was reached, you couldn't then go back and you know relegate someone or, you know, to say... like. It, Particularly when it's drawn out over a period of time, like where do you where do you fix the point of, you know, what seasons are affected? Okay, this is twenty ten, twenty eighteen, but where do you start? You know, do you, do it's you much s- more impactful to look ahead. Yes, that's, okay. that's what I'm no, I take the, I take that point. So let's say they go ahead with points deduction in the future, and that may well relegate Man City, or it may just confine them to a, an Aston Villa like mid table season, regardless of what. They see, do. they can see that people would say as well. That's I mean, they can afford. Yeah, that. What do you think it does to their legacy over the last decade? Do you look at Aguero and is there now a a cloud over that in a very real way? But wasn't there already in some ways a little bit of that too? Yeah, I would have said Do you know what I mean? But at the the type of cloud whereby people said that's just the way the game is. I don't think it was a dominant cloud. I think there was just a, yeah, they spent lots of money. But even an element of what's come out now, in some ways the response would be, well, that's just the way the game is too. Yeah. You know, to like you know, like you're you're like there, there'll be rules in football, and I'm not equating it, but like there's obviously rules in football about say tapping up players. Clearly, no one breaks the rules, but everyone knows the rules yeah. are broken. Yeah, you know, it's it's like all these. This is obviously an extreme element, and as I said, like you know, if there's issues with falsified accounts, well then you you take your punishment. I, I think, um, but I I think that. I I don't know. I think people's view on Man City I, I, is there a suggestion that. I'm not saying you're saying it, but does, does someone wake up tomorrow or wake up t- you know today and think that city thing just isn't really what I thought it was? Mm. You know, it's just not the breaking news. God, I feel like you know it's um, someone's ruined ruined Christmas for me here. You know, this is it. Like uh, I think everyone knows that the Man City thing is reflective of a of a uh, I suppose a, a break in the Premier League history or sort of a transition towards the next level, and obviously Newcastle is another level of that now mm. um, you know is is what happens to Newcastle over the next 10 years would it be would it be tainted in some way but, but it turns out that everything didn't add up financially or is that opinion already there about them because of the nature of yeah. the takeover I think it'll actually come down there to the seriousness of the punishment 
think if they were hit with a really serious punishment, that would force everyone to really sit up and, and say, oh, wow, this was above and beyond just the normal machinations of bending Yeah, rules. I think so. I think so. Whereas if they were just given a fine for 20 million, we'd all forget that pretty quickly. Fine is gone. I'd forgotten UEFA fined them 10 million. Yeah. Uh, on the pitch, by the way, so we'll come back to this, I suspect a lot. Possibly too much, yeah, really, I, isn't it? I'm yeah. kind of embracing myself with touch, I have to say. Uh, there is something off with City on the pitch. The Cancelo departure pretty much overnight after you've let Zinchenko go. De Bruyne on the bench against Spurs. Some of their better defenders on the bench and the Spurs front three bullying their starting 11. Haaland just seemingly ignored now. It's like, you did really well at the start. Now we're not going to pass you the ball anymore. Uh, and the sense people had that when the Arsenal slip might come, that City would be in the midst of a 13-14 match unbeaten run. That confidence has ebbed massively. Mm. It's, this is all kind of crept up on us reasonably quickly with City, mainly because Liverpool have been the attention grabbers on the whole, we're not what we were last season. Yeah. Thing. But uh, there's something really off with City at the moment. Yeah, and there's always that sense that there's a, there's a that's why they're champions moment with some team. And, and you, you sort of felt that, okay, I mean, there was the, the comeback a couple of weeks back. Um, was that the Spurs game they came at home they came from behind? But they, they, they've had a couple of games where, you, uh, yeah, they're the champions. But after Arsenal slip up on Saturday, you sort of expect, okay, well, this is it. Seen this You've before. opened the door. You don't, yeah. you don't give away chances like that at this level. And City step up. But no, it's just a sort of a brittleness there um, that it's, it's pretty hard to put your finger on it. You know, I suppose maybe in some ways, you know, you look at Liverpool and you could argue that this is just the impact, the exertions, the, you know, the toll of recent years and they've just, you know, they're burnt out. And I mean, City could be a version of that too, just not as pronounced because um, they have a better squad and, and they still yeah. they, they still can perform. And, you know, their slump isn't as dramatic. But aren't there also just odd aspects to their play? Yeah. Particularly the way Haaland makes these brilliant runs into space and the pass is on and it's just not given. Mm. I feel he'll be a broken man soon and we'll just stop making the runs. I don't yeah. understand what's happening there. No, and like you, I mean, I think we were on here a couple of weeks back with Damien Delaney talking about it. I think it was after, it was the second, I think it was after the, the Man City Arsenal Cup game. Right. And, the, and a couple of the, the Guardiola comments afterwards were almost criticising the team for for not being direct enough yeah. in the first half. You know, and you're trying to figure out where does the manager stand on this? Um, does he does he really does his way of playing really naturally tie in with Haaland or not? But then you know somebody you have these conflicting comments, you know? Um and even I suppose some of the body language and comments of Pep around those games will be curious mm. now. And and it's almost like a team that's a little bit of a an identity crisis or something in terms of what they want to do but in saying all of that like you know you can break it down and maybe there's just football reasons for it but there's just something a little bit off oh, yeah. you know that it that it's you can you can just say well like there's there's no human element to this at all it's just your 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 system or your it's this malfunctioning here in some ways and that maybe that maybe that's true but it seems to me like you're looking more for a team to just um, stand up and sort of really, sort of stamp down their authority. That's what the champions generally do at some stage, and they're 
they're not doing it. I mean, I suppose in some weird way now, um, can they find some kind of siege mentality from this mm. this crisis? Mm. You know, this sense of, in some ways, you know, they're out to get us. You know, they don't like us. You know, and whatever, and, and try and somehow draw some strength from this adversity, this cloud hanging over them to focus the minds. Um, that's got to be the glass half full. I mean, the glass half empty is obviously players wondering, God, could this thing, could this thing come to an end? Which is probably unlikely. Liverpool walloped three 0 against Wolves. Is it even news now when they when they yeah. when they get sort of turned over it like that? Especially bad though. Mm. There was a moment early on where they had a throw in in their own half, and it was um, crazy throw infield to Keita, who was surrounded by a couple of Wolves players. It was never the right throw. But even he made a f- terrible effort to try and deal with the situation and Wolves were suddenly in the Liverpool penalty box and got a shot away. You think it, like Everything about this is just flabby and tired and almost defeated already. And then Wolves opened up on them and the Liverpool defending was atrocious. Club's body language on the touchline was fury. I mean, there were bottles being thrown on the ground and turning around, screaming to whoever was beside him about just the craziness of what was happening. James Milner ashen-faced behind, just thousand-yard stares if he couldn't hear Klopp right in front of him. And then Klopp in the press conference uh, did that thing you shouldn't do when things aren't going well, which is pick a fight from a position of weakness and uh, just bear all the hallmarks of somebody who's under pressure. So James Pearce, who covers the club very closely for the Athletic, asked a yeah. question about their mentality. Fair enough question, standard question. Uh, Klopp never really looked at him for the duration of the question. And then he said, it's very difficult to talk to you if I'm 100% honest. I'd prefer not to do that. You know why, for all the things you wrote. So if somebody else wants to ask that question, then I'll answer it. At which point the uh, grand fraternity that was journalism really uh, stood up and straight away someone put their hand in the air and asked the exact same question which Klopp answered. So uh, James Pierce was looking around and confused uh, so it seems, uh, Pierce said, I've since been told that Klopp was reacting to something he had read elsewhere in the past few days, nothing I'd written. So not only is it like overreacting to a piece, but secondly, he doesn't even have his facts right there. Yes, yeah, so. a bit odd. I mean, yeah, these, these sort of manager press conference spat stories are all just sort of, yeah, they're all a bit odd. I mean, like the... It's something strange about it because it's the reporter from the Athletic. I mean, I don't think, to be fair, like there's um the the sort of the model of the Athletic is that it's generally the club reporters are, you know, they're not necessarily hammering the clubs on a regular basis. They're reasonably well uh, connected there, um, and that seems to be part of their their model. So I did find it slightly unusual that he's going after the Athletic guy. Yeah, you know, yeah. I mean, what what could have happened here? Um, Apparently, not much. Not much, it would appear, and. Again, like yeah, like you'd always have people who'd say, ah, "Sure, like people love the reporter being slapped down in some ways." That's brilliant because I mean, let's be honest, no one really likes the media that much mm. when it comes to that. Particularly when like you know you talk about the tribal club stuff. But um, while it seems to be within the reaction, a certain amount of Liverpool fans still enjoying that. Going, yeah, like you tell them what's what. Um, as you sort of alluded, there's a little bit more discomfort with elements of it too. Going, geez, he looks a bit. But rattled here, um, and let's be fair, right? When when Klopp has been when Liverpool have won in leagues, he's never been a good loser. We've spoken about it before, like who is? Yeah. You know, sometimes there's been times 
you know, with his interviews after games with everything is great in the world that you could say, God, he's unnecessarily spiky there, or a little bit sort of, he can be a bit sort of uh, well, irrational on occasion, but a big part of being a, a successful manager is to use the media sometimes to be as irrational and as yeah. big-headed as you want to be. Um, Lunchtime kickoff with time. Des Kelly on a Saturday after a European week. That was where you knew you get Klopp angry. This is a disgrace because yeah. of you lot that we're to play. And that's kind of, that's okay. This was more like defeated and also like, my God, what is this guy written that's so egregious? I mean, it was like, I can't even look at you. Yeah. Disgusted. The atle- you know, those athletic lads just had to kill us again. You know, it's just not really the thing. Yeah. Um, trying to, was trying to have a scare around to see what might have been the offending article. Some people think it was Melissa Reddy's on uh, Sky. Again, I what what that piece gets uh, to is the brain drain which has happened at Liverpool. So uh, she talks about how Mike Gordon, the FSG president, uh, has now gone from being very focused on Liverpool to now focused on the sale of Liverpool, and that Michael Edwards, sporting director, who was resigned alongside Klopp, that was the holy trinity, and this was unassailably brilliant. And so, you know, she talked about how Klopp and Edwards, they would chat in the canteen about all manner of different things. Then they'd go to Gordon and present it to him in more detail. And it was beautiful. And, you know, Gordon would step in uh, with the finances when something like the Van Dyke deal was in danger of uh, going adrift. And he'd say, no, we'll, 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 we'll make sure that happens, you know. The partnership between Klopp, Edwards, Gordon was unassailable, prompting a sense of authority, surety and harmony to decision making at Liverpool. Edwards has obviously resigned. Gordon focused on the sale of Liverpool. And then she just highlights the various resignations. Julian Ward, he succeeded Edwards and then resigned in November. Uh, Ian Graham, their esteemed director of research, exiting. Uh, no longer feeling empowered to do their jobs was the line mm. there. Uh, the club doctor, Jim Moxon, he went on the eve of this season. Uh, Philip Jacobson, head of performance, went in 2020, apparently uh, very highly rated. There seems to be a a tension between the physios and sports science and all of this adds up to some kind of a brain drain. So people are saying maybe that's the article he found irritating. I don't know if does that look that egregious to you? Well, I can see how that could be taken um, like the, very negatively by a manager if that is the article because you talk about... Um, what we all know that football clubs have layers to them you know you, you still feel that, that ultimately a, a manager has a certain responsibility for relationships at the club that pertain to like physio sports science how all these people interact like in your own mind on a bad day you can see all the resignations or departures being linked to it is this because this is a hard place to work because of the regime overseen from the yeah. from the top of the of the football side of things the, in the, the point, so you can perceive the, it yeah the point about a, being empowered to do their jobs maybe screamed of a yeah, there's overarching a, there's a control presence. issue here um, and that also in some ways again some of these key people are leaving are they exposing that someone's not as all powerful and as influential as everyone thought yeah. but that's the the slightly paranoid reading of that I'm not saying it's the, it's what 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 drove this in any way but it's odd. I mean, sometimes as well, I'm not saying it's what happened here because it did seem a little bit more um, sincere, his anger in a way. But like sometimes it's just a, a complete tactic as well too, isn't it? Like you've had an absolutely shocking performance. Um, you know, just kick off and, and do something. Put manners in everyone. Put manners in everyone, take things in a different direction. But I'm not sure if that's the, 
that's the case here. I mean, Ferguson was a master of that. Obviously, if there was a if there was a particularly bad defeat or something, he could he knew how to change get everyone talking about that his his outburst rather than the the game itself. But well, Liverpool have Everton Monday, Sean Dyche, who will come to in due course, and then they've Newcastle and then they've Real Madrid, and this thing is in free fall. So we'll watch this space. Uh, Jesse Marsh has departed the scene at Leeds, not by his own uh, choice, obviously. So Adam Pope of BBC Leeds going to tell us what's going on there. Just one second. The Koi Gig Pod. There's no way Arsenal would let her go. It's all kind of mind games going on, which is a lot of fun. Picked up more attention than any other actual transfer. Subscribe to the feed in the OTB Sports app now. You're very welcome back. Joe Malloy here, Dan McDonald here. Adam Pope of the BBC over in Leeds is with us as well. Evening, Adam. Good evening, guys. I'll give you this. You're never dull. <laughs> Only tonight. Yeah, it hasn't stopped for the last 24 hours. So it hasn't stopped now as more and more names are being linked with the with the vacant job, of course. So, uh, yeah. yeah, a bit crazy. I have to say, guys, it was a case of when, not if, though, with, with Jesse, well, I felt this well, okay, week. Well, um, but that's great because... We um and we're all acknowledging our, our our issues here with Leeds in that for whatever reason, anytime I've watched them, anytime Michael outside has watched them and, and Pat Nevin, who's our resident pundit on a Monday, you know, we asked him about it last night and he said, Look, I'm the wrong person to ask. I've seen Leeds play four times in the last number of months and they were brilliant all four times. They were just a bit unlucky. So I can't really tell you what's going wrong. So you can explain all. Anytime I've seen Leeds, they've been perfectly acceptable as well. Well, it depends which games you've seen. Obviously, yeah. I mean they've had they've had a few like crazy sort of games. I mean, beating Chelsea, of course, playing well against Arsenal, losing, being very unlucky, should have won the game. Um, Anfield was incredible because it was just a mad win late on, um, and and then you know there's a what a four three against Bournemouth. But the, the facts are that if you've watched them for any considered period of time. Since that Chelsea win, it's two wins and 11 points. That's the worst in the division. There just hasn't been any consistency, Dan and Joe. And, you know, like when you, and, and that's been the problem. This system has not settled into place at all over the, you know, the nearly 40 games that Jesse Marsh has had. This, this, you want to call it a Red Bull system, a narrow system. And it just hasn't produced consistent results nor attractive football. And it's just confused everybody, I okay. think. And and that's why most of the time you've gone to see games, you, you won't have seen a great performance and certainly not a decent result. I did uh, see Patrick Bramford after the game against Forrest, the 1-0 defeat. He said, we needed more runners running past me to drag Forrest centre-backs out of position, create a bit more space. The whole game was literally two versus one, which made it difficult. And unfortunately, I couldn't find the answers to solve that. End quote. By extension, nor could my manager. Yeah. Now, that quote, don't forget, it's come straight after the end of the game. I think, you know, Patrick's an intelligent guy. I don't think it's a, a massively barbed poke at Jesse Marsh before, you know, he, the, the axe finally fell. Um, but I do think it is, it does sum up some of the difficulties that um, that he and others have had. And um, there were no runners going past him. There was no service. I can't remember Patrick Bamford having a chance at all. And this is a guy, as you know, he works really hard to make things happen. You know, he stretches defences. He does get, I think he had one chance in the game, which he did miss, to be fair. He mishit, but it fell for Luke Cayley and, and then he he probably should have scored. But 
I totally get it. It wasn't a massive go at Jesse, I don't think. I think right. he's just being honest. I, that that was my interpretation of it. And um, but others I know have picked up. I know Chris Sutton, the former Blackburn and, and you know Norwich and Chelsea striker, particularly last night, made a big thing out of it. But honestly, I I, I think it did reflect that there was a problem with the system. That's what it did, it did reflect. And you know, on, on reflection, maybe he should have kept that in the dressing room. But I'm quite glad that players come out and speak with honesty about what they felt was going on. But don't forget, at the end of it all, there, guys, at the end of that quote, he actually takes responsibility and said, "I couldn't solve it." Just, I'm just curious, Adam. You've covered a lot of Leeds managers over the years, and some good, some bad, probably some popular, some not. H- how will Jesse Marsh be remembered? Like he had what eleven months. Came in to do a job last season at a particular time. I don't know, in five years' time when he's mentioned, how do you think, how would the typical Leeds person respond? Well, I don't think they'll remember the rain in terms of anything memorable in, for the way that they played football. I think what they'll remember is that he was a nice guy that tried hard but wasn't up to the challenge of, of evolving Leeds from the Bielsa era. And that's been borne out in the results. That's how to be remembered. I think some people are a bit harsh when they sort of bracket him in with like, you know, a David Hockaday type thing. But it the probably the closest way I could compare him to anybody under recent times is maybe something like Thomas Christensen. That was a particularly left field appointment under Victor Orta and the board at the time. And that didn't work out. This felt maybe not as left field because there was a sort of, uh, you know, a body of evidence to suggest that he was he, he could coach well in, in Europe to an extent, um, maybe not the Premier League as it's turned out. But it, it'd probably be in those realms, you know, nothing was achieved, nothing was pushed further on. You know, Leeds are in a, in a worse position in the league, really. However, the difference is they have a better squad than when he came in. I think that's fair to say with the amount of signs that have been made. So it won't be remembered fondly, although he'll be remembered as a nice guy, that maybe spoke too much management speak. And for some people, he was never going to be accepted because A, he was American, which is unfair. And B, they felt that there was too many shortcomings. Uh, my personal view was I thought he might have gone as early as October. Um, but by by the Nottingham Forest game, it was clear that even his best sort of supporters were either quiet or had turned against him. Right. And this system you talk about, which was too narrow and never quite took, what would he generally respond with when that was put to him? Well, it was put to him on several times, even as recently as um, a few weeks ago, it was asked, what are the merits of this system? And I don't know if you remember, he he, he talked about uh, the idea of basically funneling um, possession once it's, once it's regained into a very central area because the goal is in the middle of the pitch, at the end of the pitch. And it sounds a bit of a you know an obvious thing to say, and it is, and it it, it brought a lot of mirth you know towards mm. him. Um, Whenever we questioned him about playing with a, a lack of width, he said, well, that's not strictly true. However, I can remember lots of times when possession in that frenzied manner had been regained, and we saw that under Bielsa as well. However, the difference was players would literally be looking up and wondering, where am I going to pass this ball to or who am I going to find? Because right. it was just this treacle, this morass of players in the middle of the park, literally falling over each other and, and just not opening up the pitch. And the other thing as well is that, and it was the point was made by former title winner John Newsom to us at the weekend. He says he's watched a lot of Leeds this year with us. And he said, once Leeds get possession, right, when they, if they lose it, they're out of shape because they've literally gone flies around a honeypot trying to trying to get the ball back. And they were so 
easily unpicked, attacking, you know, corners at Aston Villa where they should have scored, leading to a goal within two passes. You know, Crystal Palace chipping the ball over the top, you know, uh, the other night, you know, Nottingham Forest having scored their only goal, but then very simply altering their tactics to to sort of counteract Leeds and nullify them in the second half, despite Leeds having all the ball. Very easy to play against and 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 to score against is what I felt with Leeds. And he never really solved that problem. Loads of attacking options, but defensively just were far too exposed. I mean, Adam, I know you're pretty tormented by people asking, you know, who's who's the next manager going to be? But in a, in a general sense, is there a sense of what type of manager they want in terms of style, if not you know, knowing who the actual identity is? I think that's the better question, to be quite honest, because they haven't answered that at this stage. Nobody from above has spoken. Um, so if I, if I could, if, if you just rewind back to Bielsa, the idea was that Marsh would evolve from from that system and make leads, you know, better. And obviously moving to the table, that hasn't happened. So at this stage, the type of manager they're going to go for, and we can name a few in a moment, is it going to continue this, if you want to call it, a Red Bull sort of franchise type system? I would suggest not because it's clearly not worked in, in the best part of a year. So do they go back to a more aesthetically pleasing and a more expansive style of football, which I think we'd all would hope for? Uh, but whatever, they need to get themselves away from trouble. So in that sense, which sort of managers are they going for? Now, we don't know what style that they want to adopt. We don't know what the sort of, if you want to say, the new philosophy is, the club. But the type of manager they're looking at now is, um, as I understand it, Iriola, who's at Viacana, uh, who's who lifted them to fifth last night with a win over Almira. He seems to be very, very high on the list of Victor Orta, the sporting director um, at Leeds. And he and Angus Kinney, the chief executive, and now Andrea Radrizzani, who tweeted just what, a few hours ago that he reckons that they should have a, a new candidate in place or a new appointment in place tonight or, or tomorrow, they're, they're leading the hunt. So, you know, um, Uriola was one. Carlos Corbran was mentioned at West Brom, but he signed a new deal tonight, as you'll probably be aware. Um, I think I don't think he was number one on their list. He's had links with the clubs before and he's done fantastic work with Huddersfield and West Brom. But the other one that's going mad, and I don't even just be watching it during the show, guys, is Arnie Slot at Feyenoord has crept right up the bookmakers' uh, um, rankings, if you like. And um, I've got nothing to say that he's he's going to be the guy, but um, clearly that's that's one being in charge of Feyenoord and, and leading at the top of the table that you know he's his name has been mentioned, but. If, if I was to say one that seems to be fitting the profile maybe of what the spot director wants, it would be by Akano's um, Iriola. Okay. Thank you so much for making time. Appreciate you're busy. Hey, no no problem. It's uh, crazy. Hey, and there's only Manchester United twice to play now, so hey, what's not to like, eh? I know. Uh, thank you so much. Adam Pope there from BBC Leeds with the latest on the end for Jesse Marsh. How will you remember Jesse Marsh? I'm not entirely sure, to be honest. I've been very enthusiastic on the sideline last year. I'm a bit like what what you're saying this year. I probably, I was more, probably, I always wanted uh, him to do well on the basis of just this American sort of eye. He's 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 just not a coach, coach Marsh here, you know, like, and, and then like you, you would occasionally cringe through the occasional comment he makes. You're thinking, is that just because he's American and he said that as opposed to the substance of what he's actually said himself? Yeah. Um. So um. Yeah. I like. I, I. I sort of was rooting for him a bit last year. This year, I don't know. 
I don't really, sort of indifferent, really. Yeah. I don't, you know, I, there's so many. I mean, the whole point is like the, the turnover of managers in the bottom half of the table this year yeah. is just ridiculous. That it's, I mean, if you, if you get if you get too attached to any Premier League manager now, then you're just Painful. being overly sentimental. It's I like know. hoarding old clothes or something. I did it's have like a moment with a new Brighton manager. Where I was like, will I invest much time in getting to know yeah. this guy? The journey. Remember, you used to be into the Chelsea manager. Like, there's no journey. There's no journey with any manager. No. Now. There's it's no true. journey with anyone. Uh, like, see Nathan Jones at Southampton. I mean, he could be, he's in trouble again, you know, and he's only in the door. It's a strange interview he gave. Mm. Our football show coverage is brought to you by Skywatch Every Live Premier League game this season on Sky Sports, BT Sport, Premier Sports. Back in just one second. You're welcome, Mac. We are pretty much done. We'll have to talk more about Mr. Deitch tomorrow mm. on the show. He's banned snoods, hoodies. Long uh, tracks of bottoms of training. There are bleep tests. Yeah, they're get like, on with it. It's probably banned. I don't know, fancy coffee as well or something. You know. Well, they won. Tea or coffee, that'll do. He'll whip them all into shape. Uh, you saw interesting goal score this evening. Yeah, so I see Andy Lyons has scored his first goal in English football for Blackpool. Mick McCarthy's Blackpool to give them their full title, trying to avoid relegation from the Championship. Um, and they drew two all with Huddersfield tonight. Blackpool with ten men for most of the game. Andy Lyons, he started on Saturday when they lost, but he was on the bench tonight. There was an injury in the 27th minute. He's come on and he's scored a goal. It was actually to level it up at one all. It did finish two all, but it's brilliant for Andy Lyons. Like, um, Andy Lyons joined for Shamrock Rovers over the winter, but prior to that, spent three, four years with Bowes, been in Ireland underage teams all the way up. Went to Shamrock Rovers and changed to a left wing back, scored loads of goals. Was just, People viewed him in a slightly different light. Um, and he's hit the ground running. It would it would appear in English football, and um, he's 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 a good fella. And I think a lot of people would be sort of well disposed mm. towards him. And um, we mentioned in recent years, a lot of League of Ireland players have gone to League One, and that's obviously a start point. So for him to go into the Championship and start to make an impact is, uh, yeah, it's terrific for him. Mm. Uh, they're they're battling to stay up. They've still got a job in their hands, but uh, it's a good story. Big Mick, still on the go, still going. I mean, like he just. Addicted to management, you know, and and like this is a this is a sixty four today. Yeah, it's like still un- getting jobs. Yeah, at a very high level. Yeah, like it's an unglamorous gig going into Blackpool, but um, what's wrong with Blackpool? A lot of it, uh, I'm just saying it's not a particularly glamorous club. You tell me something about Blackpool there. You got something about a beach? Where would I start? Yeah, okay. Where would you start? We gotta go. Yeah, okay. Well, genuinely, go. we gotta go. Yeah. Uh, okay, Dan. Thanks very much. No worries, Joe. That was the football show. So tomorrow, OTBAM coming at you. Jaron Shane, Gareth Roberts will be trying to make sense of what's going on at Liverpool because it's very hard to at the moment. Derek McNamara will analyse Ireland-Wales and then Irish-Brisbane lines. Dara Joyce, Conor McKenna will both be on from Australia. So that's on the way tomorrow morning.